Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast, a high vibe space where we talk about all things spirituality, manifestation, raising our vibrations and walking away from the manifestation block that is alcohol. Whether you're newly sober, sober curious or you've been sober for a long time, this is the place for you if you want to learn more about spirituality, manifestation and how letting go of alcohol can make you so much more powerful at manifesting. It's time to stop drinking, start living, raise our vibrations and step into our manifestation power. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast. In this week's episode, I am interviewing Victoria Maskell, who is now one of my best friends. She is an author, a hypnotherapist, a psychotherapist and a money mindset manifesting expert. She is a lady of many skills. She is skilled in um, hypnotherapy and BWRT. And the way that we met was actually pretty cool. So I made friends with Victoria when I was still living in Dubai. And uh, one of my friends who lives in Dubai still, she went to school with Victoria. And I needed to ask her some advice on G, what was it? Data protection, whatever it calls itself. And my friend Sophie uh, recommended that I speak to Victoria. And one, she's just one of those friendships that really right from the get-go as soon as we spoke to each other we just instantly were just really really good friends and we've spoken pretty much every day on whatsapp voice note since then and obviously since I've come back to the UK we've met up um, and yeah she's one of my dear dear friends now. Um, She is so knowledgeable about manifestation and the way our subconscious mind works. She's also um well, she doesn't call herself so, but she's also alcohol free, um, but for a slightly different reason to myself, which you'll find out more about in this episode. Um, so without further ado, let's get cracking. Oh, and also one more thing that I forgot to say about Victoria. See, I told you she had many talents. She's also an author. So she's written an awesome book called The Science of Getting Rich, uh, a 21st century guide, which she's going to tell us more about in the episode as well. <laughs> Well, hello, Victoria. How are you today? I'm so good, Annika. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, it's such wait. a pleasure to have you on. It really, really is. Um, okay, let's get going. And I'm going to ask you what I ask everybody when they come on my podcast, which is what are your top five favorite things about being sober? Oh, okay. Right. Top five favorite things. Um, Number one, I love that I can get in my car whenever I want and go wherever I want because I don't drink. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, I love the fact that I don't wake up on a Saturday, Sunday morning feeling groggy, feeling gross. I'm not really a morning person. If people know me, I'm not (laughs) a morning person. But equally, I like to wake up feeling good. That'd be another thing. Um, A third thing um do you know what I don't know if this is a bit sort of silly but I I quite like that I don't have to spend loads of money on alcohol um like I like there are different things that I would want to spend money on so I get to spend my money in different places oh what would be my fourth thing it's hard to think of 
um, it's hard to think of. I think that just a feeling of freedom. And I don't know why I feel so much freedom, but it, I think it just comes down to I feel in control of myself. I feel free to go where I want to go. I'm not thinking, oh, I've had a drink. I can't do that. Um, and actually, right, my parents, if they listen to this, I'm going to say it's that I like the fact that if they needed me, I could go and pick them up from somewhere. I can be useful. I can be a bit of a taxi driver. Yeah, I think they're, they're just uh, my reasons. Yeah. I love that you just use the word freedom um, because I feel the same. And I actually feel like well I, I know that freedom is one of my core values freedom drives so much of my behavior and I think that can hold people back from from walking away from alcohol sometimes because if you associate not being able to drink with having no freedom then that can be a block but when you actually see that when you when you really reframe alcohol and see if what it is then you set yourself free from alcohol do you know what's funny? I was speaking to someone last night and he was saying, um, he, he, he'd said something and I was like, oh yeah, because I don't drink. And he was like, oh, that's really interesting. And he phrased it as he doesn't really drink, but he noticed that when he was going out, he wasn't feeling as confident. He wasn't feeling as chatty. And so he said, so I do sometimes drink. Mm-hmm. Now to me, I completely understand why he's saying that because I know lots of people think, oh, I need a bit of a drink just to have a bit of a confidence boost. But I see it the other way around. Like I feel free that I don't have to think, oh, I need a drink before I. It's just like, it's not part of my identity. I'm not, I'm sober. I'm not a drinker. I, I don't know what word I would, I don't think I'd use the word sober. And maybe we're going to chat about Ooh, that. In a minute, okay. But, um, I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, mm, mm. I've never used that word. Yeah. Um, but I feel more free knowing yeah. that, I can go where I want to go, do what I want to do. And I don't feel tied to having to have to have a drink to feel myself because I feel more myself because I don't drink. Oh, I love that. And I I agree. I feel more myself for not drinking. And I think when you, when you are, I think when, when people first stop drinking, if you've been relying on alcohol for um, coping in certain situations, it's quite a vulnerable thing to do. Uh, and it can be quite scary, but when you do step into it, you do eventually go, I feel more myself than I've ever felt. This is quite yeah. fabulous. So yeah. um, already I love how this is, happens every time we talk. I've got all my questions and we're already completely going off on a tangent, but let's just go with it, Victoria. Um, I like the fact that you just put, pointed out that you don't like to call yourself sober. So t- pr- tell me more about this. So I was literally, I was thinking about this today because I knew we were going to do this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that I have a belief pattern system around the word sober Mm. and to me that actually has negative connotations I love that I don't drink it feels really a lot to me but the word sober to me implies that someone had a problem someone was in a bad state and had to do something about it rather than feeling free like I know you use the phrase alcohol free a lot um probably in reference to drinks and stuff but like I don't know I just would never say sober because I guess I never identified as someone who drank I did like um university and stuff I did but I think it's because I never really liked it or really wanted to I was one of the sheep you know I went I went to university and I would occasionally have a drink at like parties and stuff when I was 18 but I went to university and was thrust into freshers week and it was like where are you going to have the first drink where are you going to have to have shots are you then going to And I thought, oh, my gosh, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be able to meet people, make Mm -hmm. friends, and I'm going to feel really isolated. So 
I would find myself being like, yeah, let's have another drink. But it wasn't really me. I didn't like the taste of it. I didn't enjoy it. And I feel a little bit sad that my 18 year old self felt like that. Mm. But now it's like, yeah, but it served a purpose at the time. So I think the reason I don't use the word sober is just because I never really identified. Maybe this is me being really like, oh, no, I didn't. But I never really identified with someone who drank because I didn't. Mm. I don't think I ever really wanted to do it because I didn't really like it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, okay, there's so much to unpack there. So, um, oh God, I hate when people say unpack. Why did I just say that? Let's unpack that. Um, okay, so uh, I completely agree that sober has so many negative connotations. I mean, if you think about the, the phrase stone cold sober, um, and for ages, I really tried to avoid using the word sober because there's there's so much shame, actually, that I think is surrounds that word. Um, and when you kind of look, where's that shame come from? There's so much shame that we attach to alcohol. There's so much shame that we attach to anyone admitting that you might have a quote unquote problem with alcohol when ultimately, I mean, alcohol is highly addictive. Everyone has a problem with it if they're drinking it. It's just whether we, it's just the way that we talk about it. Right. Um, and for, yeah, I've, for a long time really uh, lent more into the words or the term alcohol free and again I love the word freedom it's 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 about being free from something that doesn't make you feel good it's not about there's I think with the, the word sober there's more of an implication that there's something wrong with you yes that's and, it yeah and it's- I just think no there's nothing wrong with you like alcohol is the problem <laughs> there's nothing yeah. wrong with I was reading um I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits the James James Clear Clear that's it Mm. um and I was listening to that today and he was talking about basically what he was describing without calling it was Q reactivity hypothesis or theory um and he was talking about this study where they found I think it was Vietnam war veterans and how a crazy percentage of them when they were in the war were addicted to heroin Mm. and then when they came back only about 5% of them continue that addiction. And they were saying, well, this is really uncommon because heroin is highly addictive and the Mm. relapse rates are crazy high. So they were like, well, what's different about them? And when they interviewed them, they said, but I don't have the cues. I'm not in that same scenario. I'm not surrounded by people that are doing it. I don't have the same horrible stressors, so I don't need to do it. And I think with alcohol, I, I grew up in a household where if I'd wanted wine with dinner, that was available. Like my parents are quite happy to have wine or sherry or gin and tonic or whatever so it was available but I guess I never associate it really with me I didn't Mm. see myself as the person who had a glass of wine I didn't see myself as the person who had a G&T I was the person that had a peppermint tea and a glass of water so I guess I, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here but I feel like I wouldn't use the word sober because that to me just doesn't, it just doesn't resonate with me. I am, I guess, sober by definition, but it's just not a word I use. Just don't drink. Yeah, and just actually don't drink. this, this segues beautifully into one of the things I wanted to discuss about you. So you're expansive for a different type of drinker and manifester. So uh, I would say that I, before I started drinking, was a grey area drinker and anyone who identifies with the things that I went through, you know, being a ladette and wanting to keep <laughs> up with the boys and drinking beer and, um, and, you know, loving my red wine, you know, that's expansive for them. But there's also lots of people out there like you who don't really like drinking but they just do because they feel they should. And, and often people um, in your situation continue to drink because they think, well, I haven't got a problem. So I kind of have to. 
Um, yeah. So I think it's really expansive that you just, it didn't work for you, it didn't resonate with you, so you just don't do it. Yeah, that's and that is exactly it. I remember, I know we've spoken about this, but I remember that when I was sort of 18, 19, there was only really me and one other boy in my year at school who didn't drink. Mm. And I was, people sort of say, you're not having a drink. Why aren't you having a drink? And I was like, oh, I just, just don't want one. And I, occasionally, yeah, I did. But the, 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 the guy in my year at school, he um, ended up doing this thing. I don't know if I should probably say this, but he would sort of take people home in his car, sort of be a taxi, but obviously not. Um, and he would say, oh, no, no, I don't drink because, and he made up this story, supposedly that, oh, my dad had a problem with it. Now his dad didn't have a problem with it, but as a boy, I think he just felt so much pressure he just didn't want to drink. He just didn't like it. But yeah. that was seen as a like, what? You're 18. Of course you're meant to like to have. Why are you not having a beer? Why are you being so strange? And yeah, I just, I honestly, I don't like the taste of wine. I don't really like fizzy drinks. So like a vodka diet Coke, I'm just like, I don't, I don't drink Coke. Like I wouldn't go and have a can of Coke. So I definitely don't want a vodka Coke. I just didn't like it but I did it because I felt like oh I'm meant to be going to a party and having a drink oh I need to be mm. with everyone um and now I just don't feel that and I think the shift in my belief system was at the time I felt a bit weird because people would say why aren't you having a drink why are you not drinking that's weird wait just have one I'll go and just have one and at the time I felt quite pressured maybe or yeah. like oh I should and now people just don't even ask. They're just yeah. like, oh, yeah, Vix doesn't drink. Yeah, she doesn't drink. Oh, yeah. It's so normal because I don't I don't mind if my friends drink. I'm not anti-alcohol. It's just like, just don't like it. So don't do it. Well, I personally think that you uh, were pre-programmed uh, before you arrived on this for this human existence because it is a part of your dharma your life's mission to teach people about manifestation and specifically whilst I'd say that you're not an unspiritual person I think you are but your big thing is the science of manifestation right yeah totally 100% yeah. that's that's me so can you, so uh, as I said in the introduction, you know, you've written a whole book about this. Um, you've got a manifestation challenge coming up soon as well. Can you just begin by explaining then to, to everyone listening, what, what does the manifestation process mean to you? How does science come into it? I think I'll start by saying for me to understand something, for me to get behind something, for me to have a belief around something, I need to know how, I need to know why, I need to have a bit of an understanding. Um, so my background is that my degree is in psychology and cognitive neuroscience. So I love psychology, I love understanding. I've even just been talking about studies already, but you know, mm. I, I like to know how my brain works and, and how the process of manifestation works. So for me, it, it can be both spiritual and scientific and the way mm. I express it and explain it is a more scientific process, meaning that we are all energy. There is a lot of quantum physics in this and manifestation. If you ask me, what is manifestation? Manifestation is creating a life that you enjoy. It's mm -hmm. feeling in control of your life. It's knowing that actually life is happening for you, not to mm -hmm. you. And you get to play a really big role in that. And I'd say the reason I got to this is in my, I think I was in my second year of uni 
out of nowhere, I just got panic attacks. I had great friends. I was loving uni. Um, I just had these really horrible panic attacks and I felt so out of control. Mm. I went to doctors. I thought something was stuck in my throat. I thought I was asthmatic. I thought I couldn't breathe. There's nothing physically wrong with me, which is very classic of anyone who has panic attacks. And I, as a last resort, went to see a hypnotherapist and thank God I did because I don't have panic attacks anymore. And she was the first one who kind of got me on this path of understanding how mind affects body, how your subconscious creates a feeling that is, feels, it felt like there was a a fishbone stuck in my throat a lot of the time. And it was so real, but yet there was nothing there. And she was the first person to kind of put me onto this train that your mind creates symptoms. It creates your reality. And that's basically part of manifestation. What we think, what we focus on shows up in our reality. Mm -hmm. And I think overcoming that anxiety made me realize that actually we're really powerful as human beings. We have much more say on how we feel and what we have, whether this is money, whether this is career relationships, then I think I realized. And then I thought, I need other people to know this because I know I'm not going to be the only one that's felt anxiety or felt low self-confidence or felt lost or frustrated. And to me, manifestation is like taking back that power and knowing that the way you think affects the way you perceive your reality because there's about 400 billion bits of information that you can take in every second, but your brain can't process that. So it has to filter it down to about 2000, which is like, one half of a millionth of a percent of what's available Mm -hmm. and it filters that based on your belief system so the things you think about money the things you think about yourself get played out in your reality because your subconscious or your reticular activating system to be more specific literally goes no ignore all of those other things because they don't fit our belief system focus on this so you keep repeating that same reality so for me the science is understanding how it works, understanding how you get to have more power and create whatever you want to see in your life and just a different way of looking at it because not everyone is spiritual, not everyone is religious. And I think it just opens the door to, for people to understand it in a different way, in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. And actually the more and more I've learned about the science of manifestation, to me, it's just, it works as spiritual proof because everything there's nothing there that disagrees with any of the spiritual stuff at all it just explains it from a different different angle um and so you I know that you've got your manifestation challenge launching soon how does that link then to helping people with the the manifestation process okay awesome so I decided that manifestation is a big topic there is so much stuff out there it can feel really overwhelming and you I've had lots of clients say they've come to me because they've said, look, I just need help with this. I just need this breaking down. I know kind of the basic ideas. So I was like, right. So I've created a 10 day challenge. And over the 10 days, people receive an audio every day with a manifestation tool, technique, information and an action step. So it's like you take 10 minutes, you listen to the audio and you have something to do around Things like reducing overwhelm, getting really clear on what you want to create, um, overcoming doubt, because that's that's a big thing with manifestation. Like I'm sure you've talked about this, but if you believe it's not going to work, mm-hmm. it's not going to work because that's your belief system. But then you often start off going, yes, okay, I'm going to create this life. Oh, but what if it doesn't happen? Oh, and what if it doesn't show up? And what if this isn't real? And what if I stay stuck? And it's about overcoming that. So 
each day there's a step-by-step -step process that's all about becoming that rock star manifester, getting your belief system aligned, overcoming those limiting beliefs. And then at the end of the challenge, there's a live Q&A with me so people can come on or they can submit their questions, anything they wanna ask about their own specific situations, overcoming limiting beliefs, manifesting, etc. So I just sort of designed it as a nice, easy way for people to get into manifestation mm. and really start to see results with it. And this is just a really nice uh, challenge to kind of start yourself off with if, you, if you've not been uh if you've not tried manifesting before especially if you've just gone on a sober journey and you want to play around with your um your manifestation skills um so i'm going to link that in now to my next question which is so i know that you don't drink and yeah. i know that you're a manifestation expert and my listeners will know my my opinions um on how alcohol affects manifestation but for you what do what do you think the link is there Mm. I think it's something that we sort of started to touch on earlier and it's that feeling of alignment mm. so if you think of manifestation you're you're like a magnet like yeah. attracts like and you want to be in the feeling of the person who has that thing now so let's say you wanted to manifest your dream job you want to be feeling like you have it whether that's confidence whether that's feeling like you're skilled whether that's feeling successful or whatever it is so for me particularly I am not in alignment if I drink, because it doesn't, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. I don't feel me. So I think if someone goes on a sober journey and becomes alcohol free, they actually get to know themselves more mm. and therefore they become a magnet for the things they really want. Um, I know you, you've kind of probably talked about it on this podcast, but you talk about alcohol as like a numbing behavior. Yeah. So to me, if you become alcohol free, you're not numbing. You're allowing yourself to be who you actually want to be and going, do you know what? I'm amazing. I don't need a drink. I don't want to drink because actually look at me. I can be X, Y, Z. And then you're attracting the things that you actually want. So that's yeah. kind of how I see the two linked. Yeah, I completely agree. And this links to what you said earlier about being more yourself than ever when you don't drink because you've, you've stopped hiding. You've stopped numbing. And, and actually, you know, uncomfortable feelings are there for a reason then they need to be looked at we need to we need to listen to what they've come to tell us we need to heal what needs to be healed and we need to kind of continue it's, it's a journey of healing isn't it when you stop numbing uh, you yeah. have to start listening to yourself and I remember I, d I don't even know what was going on I remember being in my third year of uni in a nightclub with my friends I had gin and tonic and um, I what do they call that mother's ruin or something gin oh yeah yeah they do, cry. Yeah. I remember my dad saying like oh yeah gin makes women cry thanks dad okay but I did <laughs> I burst into tears in the middle of the dance floor and I just remember being so emotional but not knowing why mm. and that I think was a really pivotal moment because I was like I'm not an overly emotional person not that it is good or bad to be that but that again it didn't feel like me mm. I was like I don't know why I'm so upset because there's nothing to be upset about and I guess I don't like the idea of a substance changing who I am. Yeah. Like, and I, and maybe that's an extreme view of it, but that's kind of how it feels. So yeah. being alcohol free feels like, yeah, okay. If I'm at a wedding and I don't want to dance, that's fine. But if I do want to dance, I'll do that. But it's not because, oh, I've got the courage to do it because I've mm. had three glasses of wine or something. It's. I actually love that feeling. So I'm, as you know, 
I'm quite a silly person. So uh, I like to be silly, you know, when I've had absolutely, or I don't drink. So I will still be silly. I've still got in shopping trolleys on nights out completely sober. And I love that feeling of waking up in the morning and just saying to myself, no, I did that because I felt like it. (laughs) Ah, Well, you probably know, like maybe that I can be quite silly as well. I like doing silly voices or like suddenly dancing around the kitchen. and, And people kind of look at me and go, but you don't even drink. And I was like, no, imagine if I did. I'd be like <laughs> swinging from the curtains. Like it's a natural energy. And and equally, someone could be really introverted and not drink and feel really comfortable being calm. And I think it is just about, the more I think about it, it's about just allowing yourself to be who you are and not needing mm. a substance to change that because whoever you are, however you are is perfect because that's yeah. you. That's kind of- That's it. That's It's that self-acceptance, isn't it? Um, and that self-compassion really with just being comfortable with sitting with the feelings that come up and sitting with who you are and I am I'm as you know I'm quite extroverted I actually used to find oh yeah (laughs) cover it up well not um I uh I used to find when I drank that actually alcohol made me go quite in inward and quite quiet not always but often I would be much quieter when I'd had a drink wow yeah that's so interesting yeah it definitely I think it I think from a observer's point of view if I think about friends or family members if they've had quite a lot to drink mm. I don't like it because I look at that person and go oh why are you saying that because that's not you not not in a critical like oh stop being so stupid but more of a but you don't do that why are yeah. you acting that way or why are you uh, grumpy or why are you that's not you and I think it's hard the only thing I don't really like about being sober is when everyone else is so drunk mm. that you feel a bit like it's hard to talk to people now because they're all just not themselves. And I prefer it when everyone's sober because then they're normal. And I say normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I like they, they're, they usually are. Yeah. Yeah. It's that like, oh, you wouldn't normally say it like that. And oh, you're not really listening to me. So I'm just going to walk away and ha- oh have a conversation with you in the morning when I bring you a cup of coffee to help you. I think that can be quite uh, tricky when people first uh, stop as well, because you see everything a little bit differently um, to before. So I think a lot of people listening will definitely resonate with that. Um, So you said you had that pivotal moment then with the gin and tonic. Were there any other moments where you thought, right, no, that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. And when was that actually? I've never asked you this. What, when was the gin and tonic moment? Oh, when, no, was when, the- was, when was the time that you really thought, no, I don't, I'm not going to drink anymore now? So I remember, let me think if there was a, a really pivotal moment. Like, I think there were probably, there was, I remember being hung over twice. Because I, mm. when I did drink, I still didn't drink very much because yeah. I just, I'm not very big and I couldn't take very much alcohol anyway. Yeah, you are teeny tiny. <laughs> but like, I do remember thinking, I just feel gross. Like, was it worth it? Mm. Was it worth it to be going, yeah, I'll have another WKD Blue. Yeah, I'll have a VK Apple or whatever we were drinking. But I think, so I finished uni. Then I went to um, Durham to do um, a PhD that Mm. I didn't finish. So I'm not Dr. Maskell, but never mind. That's not a a problem. And Mm. I remember drinking and I remember being in Durham and being really quite drunk to the point where my friend said, oh, God, do you remember smashing such and such's camera? Not smashing intentionally, but basically I'd gone to take a photo and just dropped it and it smashed on. And I thought, oh, my gosh, no, I don't remember doing that. And mm-hmm. that to me was like, no, I don't like that. 
I don't yeah. like that. I don't remember dropping someone else's property. Mm. Um, and it was all fine in the end and it wasn't a big deal. But I think to me that was like, yeah, okay, I'm done now. I'm not, I don't want to be out of control like that. I don't want to be a person I'm not. And I'm pretty much from then I didn't drink. I had one, maybe about five years after that, I went out with some friends and said, okay, I'll try Prosecco. And I drank it. And then the next morning, remember phoning my um, friend's brother and saying, I think I'm having a heart attack. And he was like, take a deep breath. What's wrong? And I was like, my heart is really racing. And he was like, what did you have to drink? I was like, Prosecco. And he's like, did you have anything else? And a Jaeger bomb, right. Do you drink caffeine? No, I don't have any. Right, that'll be it then. Just take a <laughs> And I was like, yeah, this is definitely not for me. <laughs> yeah, because I don't drink coffee. So I don't drink coffee. I don't drink Coke, so there's no caffeine. So a Jaeger bomb was like <laughs> an absolute mess for me. Oh, bless you. And that was it. That was me done. I was like, no, thank you. No more. Oh, right. I'm going to ask you another psychology question now. So um, we've spoken before Um between you, you and myself but I've also mentioned it on the podcast about um where our subconscious really comes into play when it comes to manifesting so we do manifest from a lot of what we manifest is from our subconscious so in terms of anyone listening who is on a manifestation healing journey and they're starting to work more with their subconscious I mean what does does alcohol have an effect on our subconscious does it I mean does it interfere with it in any way? Does it stop us from working on it? Like, what's your view there? Oh, do you know what? I've never really thought of it like that because to me, your subconscious is your habits, your programs, your automatic stuff. It's if there's any trauma or any repression. It's a lot goes on in the subconscious because it's always listening. Mm. So I guess, and I'm kind of sort of thinking this through as I'm saying it, but I guess that your subconscious is going to hold patterns of behavior and it's going to the way I think of it is it's a bit like a machine and rather than having that logical frontal lobe kind of I can work this through type energy it's more of a have we been here before yes or no did we survive yes or no great let's do exactly what we did before so the person who has panic attacks for example their subconscious goes we're feeling triggered and it could be about speaking in front of people or travel or whatever what did we do last time we felt really anxious and we survived great do it again and it just Mm. creates that feeling so in terms of alcohol and manifestation I guess I would say that your subconscious is going to hold ideas of maybe if you were drinking and you felt more confident whether this is like on a night out or something and you're feeling lacking in confidence in an area of your life, rather than becoming the person who's confident, your subconscious is going to say, have a drink. Because mm. it's going to pattern match and go, well, we did that last time and let's let's do that again. Whereas consciously, you would be able to go, we're not actually more confident when we have a drink. We just feel less fear or mm. anxiety or pressure on what other people think. So we are allowing ourselves to be more confident. Like, Alcohol does not make you something. It just potentially releases some of those fears or worries or maybe pauses those. Anesthetic, isn't it? So yeah. yeah. And actually, this is something that I, I talk about a lot with my clients um, about building a sober library. So your subconscious has got so many examples of, oh, we did this before, like this is an option. And it, it keeps giving you the option. And, and until we've 
spent some time building up some some sober examples of how we've coped with things we've got nothing to draw on and how we need to kind of almost write those things down like oh I, I did this without drinking alcohol and it was really successful and really consciously kind of hoist it in and be like right I've got that to draw on in the future And I guess we would probably talk about expanders and Mm -hmm. we would talk about mirror neurons as a way of reinforcing the neural connections around the thing you want that don't involve alcohol. So I guess that's what you've just said. Like you're looking for times either where one of your friends was super confident without alcohol, because that is even going to have a, a positive impact on you because you look at them and go, hmm, they can do it. Maybe just people listening to this podcast are going, well, actually, I'm a bit like Annika. And actually, I used to be a bit of a ladder and I used to be like that. But now look at her. She's really confident and she's really successful and she doesn't drink. So yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. it's expanders. It's um, reinforcing neural connections around how you want to be and how you want to feel without needing alcohol mm. to bring those feelings in. Because we've talked before about like manifestation as it's coming from within. And actually, if you're more introverted, you gain your energy from within. And that's kind of the whole thing around manifestation. I think being alcohol free is similar. You get to take back that power. Absolutely. And anyone listening who follows TV Magnetic, you've probably noticed that we also do because uh, we just use the word expanders, which I know is one of Lacey's words um, for basically describing what a lot of people call sober heroes or yeah. Yeah. And to to um, activate our mirror neurons. And it's yeah, having those is so important for well, actually, for two reasons. So I completely agree with the um, the subconscious piece and, and having those kind of options that your subconscious gives you for dealing with things. But also, you know, the identity piece, which you talked about at the beginning, like you never had it in your identity that you were a drinker. Um, and therefore, it's never been an issue for you. And identity is just the well, new an NLP, um, what's it called? Neurological levels of change. Um really shows that quite quite clearly how that's just so huge for any kind of behavior change isn't it yeah and it's like so imagine those two people and um someone says to the first person oh do you want a drink and they say oh no thanks I'm trying to quit Mm. and the second person do you want a drink oh no thanks I don't drink yeah that the, the behavior is the same in that they're both saying no, but the chance of that make being maintained is so much more likely in the person who says, no, thanks, I don't drink versus mm. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to cut down. I'm try- That word trying, as we know, is not, yeah. it, it, it's leaving doubt in there. It's like, well, I might give it a go. I might not. But if you actually start to identify as someone who doesn't need a drink, doesn't have a drink, doesn't drink alcohol, your identity is shifting. So therefore your belief system is, oh, I don't need this. I don't do this. I don't have that in my life. And I guess I feel that I probably never identified really as someone Mm. who did drink. Now, if we were talking about eating chocolate, we'd be on a different conversation (laughs) right now. (laughs) But like, yeah. Yeah. And I I actually would, that really resonates with me because obviously once upon a time, it was a massive part of my identity that I, I drank. And now it's a massive part of my identity that I'm sober and something that I I just it's such a big part of who I am that I would find it really hard not to be that person anymore and it it does once you've got that in you then then everything else is just easy (laughs) and I think a lot of the stuff I do whether this is mindset coaching or this is specifically with manifestation is helping people to see 
that they can change. They can change their habits. They can change their patterns. They can change a response to a trauma or they can change. If someone has a motivation to want to feel differently about something, it's completely possible. Even if you felt that way since you were five years old, like it is possible. You just have to know the right tools. And that's when neuroplasticity comes into it. And EWRT, which is one of the really key tools I use, it's always possible. And I just think people knowing that, that can give you so much freedom and so much like, oh, okay, it's possible. I can do this versus, oh, I'm stuck like this now. I've got to stay in this pattern I don't want to have. That's so reassuring as well, I think, for anyone listening, because it's too easy, isn't it, to tell ourselves the story of, oh, well, I'm not fixable. I've always been like this. There's something wrong with me. I'm broken. And actually, I don't know what that noise was in the background. <laughs> I've just clearly dropped something or something's fallen over. I think maybe maybe the ghost's back. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but we we are not broken. We are whole. And we we can absolutely change anything we want to change and I just think that's just so empowering so on that note then if there's anyone listening who um either is exactly like you and um let's let's let anyone who's like you and that you really resonate with them um, and you think well I I don't really like drinking but I don't really feel like I can't because people make me drink and I don't have a problem, um, but I really want to up level um, my manifestation practice and I feel a bit stuck with it. What would you tell them to do? Oh, OK. So I think I would say, first of all, I'd get them to do some kind of future pacing activity. So something where if they're used to meditation, they could just go into a meditative state or just literally closing your eyes and imagining yourself in six months, a year, five years, whatever time seeing yourself how you want to be so let's say this is someone who's like you know what I wonder what it would feel like Mm. to be alcohol free and just seeing yourself seeing how you're standing seeing how you're dressed seeing what you're doing maybe noticing like other people's reactions because I think a lot of the time we perceive we we do the what if down what if I say I'm not going to drink what will my friends say what will my family say and we always go to the negative they'll criticize, they'll judge us, they'll go, what? why are you doing that? But actually, if you do the what if up with that, with that future pacing activity, you're showing your subconscious that this is safe, that this is fine, that this is good. And you're putting in new ideas and programs that actually being alcohol free is really good. And then when you come to, I don't know, maybe there's a family wedding or there's an event, the idea of going, maybe I'm going to say I'm not going to drink. Your subconscious is like, oh yeah, we remember that time when you thought like that and actually it was fine because your subconscious doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. So every time you visualize, whether it's good or bad, your subconscious is seeing that as real. So anyone who's wanting to manifest, wanting to kind of go on this sober journey, just visualizing it going really well, visualizing and asking yourself, what's the best thing that could come out of this? What is the best way people could respond? you're showing your subconscious that actually that is the real possibility and then everything is so much easier and then you might notice yourself being like oh yeah I'm not going to drink and everyone's like oh okay then you're like oh they didn't really say anything they didn't react Mm. this feels quite good so future pacing doing that visualization reprogramming your subconscious is always the first place I would say to kind of like start with it and I love that that what if phrase. And that's something that I think if you're just like driving, I always find my my mind wanders a lot when I'm driving. I think we do go into a theta brainwave um, when we're driving, especially if we're on our own. Yeah. And, 
you know, when we start to catastrophize, it's really helpful to catch ourselves and say, but what if it ended up really well? What if Mm. this happened? Um, And you're actually making me think I need to play that game with myself uh, for a few (laughs) things later. No joke, Bene. So yeah, that's really helpful. Um, well, you you're such a multi-talented lady, and you there's so many different ways that you can help people. Would you just like to explain to anyone listening the, the different things that you can do to help support people? Yes. So there's kind of two broad streams to what I do, but it's all based on mindset change and allowing people to create a life that they love, whether that's to do with their business, whether that's reducing anxiety. So I work one-to-one with people basing it on things like BWRT, hypnosis and manifestation. So if someone has a fear of flying, they might come and see me and we'll use BWRT to help them reprogram their subconscious to really reduce that anxiety. I also work with people who are doing things like growing their businesses and they've got imposter syndrome or they want to work specifically on their money mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I've written a book um, that's based on the classic book by Wallace Wattles. So it's called the science of getting rich, the fast track version for the 21st century. And it's all about our money beliefs, how we perceive money, how we attract it, undoing some of that negative programming of like shame and guilt. And it's really sort of brought into the 21st century. So that's the sort of one-to-one side. Um, I have a podcast as well called the Positivity and Prosperity Podcast. Where there's, oh, thanks. Um, there's uh, loads of stuff on there about manifesting, uh, law of attraction, dealing with negativity from others. So that's another way. Or I have online courses based on the science of manifestation uncovered, which is an on-demand course that really helps you to break down manifesting the science of it uncovering rewriting limiting beliefs and there's some hypnosis in that as well so one-to-one stuff and some courses and then there's my podcast thrown in as well where people can just binge on about 155 episodes I think we're on now and if people want to have a little taste of um, how awesome your coaching is then your manifestation challenge is a really really good way just to have a taste see see how they find it and then they know if they want to but you know go forward with any of your other awesome products that's it and if they join the manifestation challenge which is starting on so it's starting on tuesday the 22nd of march but the doors are actually open until the thursday the 24th so if you're listening to this and it's thursday you can actually still join you just need to catch up um you'll just get the audio sent to you and there's actually that chance to win a one-to-one session with me so for everyone who's part of the challenge and it's just 22 pounds to join the challenge there is a giveaway where you could be within that chance to win the one-to-one so that could be the perfect way to sort of have some coaching from me and see if that's exactly what you've been looking for. It's a sign. <laughs> I'm sure there are lots of people listening thinking, OMG, I need to follow her on Instagram immediately. So what, what, what how could they do that? What's your Instagram handle? Sure. My Instagram handle is at victoria.maskell, M-A-S-K-E-L-L. And my website is victoriamaskell.com. And then if you just type in the Positivity and Prosperity podcast, or even I think if you just type in Victoria Maskell podcast, I pop up. The classic Spotify, iTunes, Google, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, come and, come and say hi. If you've been listening to this podcast, I'd love to say hi back to you. And uh, yeah, that's where I'll be amazing and of course I'll put all of these links in the show notes thank you so much for coming on today Victoria it's been an absolute pleasure as always thank you for having me I love talking about all of this and thank you for asking such good questions oh thank you well I'm sure you'll be back on here again soon any excuse for a good chat <laughs> thank <you so> <laughs> okay thanks so much Sweet to bye you.
Thank you so much for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, then I would be so grateful if you could leave me a review. And in fact, if you leave me a five-star review and give me a social media shout out and tag me, then you are in for a good chance of winning a free one-to-one coaching session with me. So I give out five free one-to-one coaching sessions a month. And if you follow those instructions, then you are in for a good chance of winning one for yourself. Alternatively, if you would like to download my free 30-day Sober Curious Reset Guide, then please head on over to my website at www.coachingbyannika.co.uk. Or if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, my handle is at coachingbyannika. Annika is spelt A-N-N-E-K-A. Alternatively, you might just want to go right ahead and book a free discovery call with me, which you can also do on my website. Thank you so much for listening. And I can't wait to have you tune in to this high vibe space this time next week. Keep manifesting.